This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you would like. On this live Christmas Day edition of the program, happy holidays to you, Johnny Ray. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. Good evening. Good to have you in here on, uh, you know, normally you're here with us on Tuesday nights, but certainly no one forced you to come in on Christmas, so I appreciate you coming in today. It's my pleasure. Also, Kyle is back uh, running the board at the Genesis Communications Network. He uh, took a special uh, amount of time out of his evening tonight and came in to run the show. So we're here live for you. You can, of course, call in about anything that might happen to be on your mind. That is the point of Free Talk Live. And uh, Johnny Ray, you and I engaged in a what it has. It's a gift swapping uh, thing that has multiple. It names. had many names. Daryl W. Perry listed them off to me yesterday. The only one I remember is Dirty Santa, and then something about Yankees. Uh, Yankee Swap, I guess, is what it's called commonly up in the Northeast. Down where I'm from, it was called uh, White Elephant in, uh, in you know western central south florida yesterday was my was was the first i'd heard of the concept really yep and what did you think of the game well i guess can you explain briefly for those who i, I guess are in your shoes and have never heard of uh, the game before sure it was lame it was totally lame <laughs> i had fun with it man i thought it was kind of fun <laughs> no it was it was it was fun um it everybody brought wrapped gifts mm-hmm Everyone's name went into a bowl. People selected gifts, and then beginning with the second person, they could they could after discovering what their gift was, they could swap it for any other gifts that had already been unwrapped. Right, and then the last person, uh, the the first person whose name was chosen, right, the guy who doesn't who who nominal who until now has not gotten a choice just had to live with what he got the first right. guy he gets the last uh choice so the the person actually who chooses the the second person chosen gets kind of the worst the bum rap right yeah of the the deal now i guess from according to the wikipedia article i was reading about this yesterday deal. the original version of it is that the first person who goes gets totally screwed and that they don't get to swap with anybody they just get what they get unless someone happens to swap with them during the rest of the game but i like the sound of that better we played the variant on it where the first person gets to swap last so the first person is the most enviable position because they get to get uh, anything you ended up with your own gift back though did you not yes i did which was a bottle of uh what was it a bottle of cranberry ginger ale ginger ale and some ramen three varieties thank you very much (laughs) three bags of ramen I actually, I actually ended up doing pretty well. Uh, I got rid of uh, the hat that I was looking to uh, to move, and Daryl Daryl W. Perry ended up with it. The uh, the fedora, as uh, as per Derek J., who was on this show for a long time, he was kind of setting fashion trends here in Keene for a little while, and everyone was buying and wearing fedoras for a little bit. Uh, so I pawned my fedora off successfully, and actually ended up uh, Amish Paul product. <laughs> I don't know if it really counts as a, as a gift, but it is. It was what it was. It was a CD case with a five dollar bill in it. So I feel like I I did pretty good for a for a dirty Santa slash white elephant or whatever you want to call it. Definitely cash can't right. Yeah, I mean the fudge would have been nice. That seemed to be the real uh, Kate uh, from Copblock.org. Like, the most popular 
the the one that everyone else kept switching kept switching their gift for was that gift certificate to the marina in I'd say freaking it was a Brattleboro. Up. I'd say that was a toss up between that one and the fudge because I saw the fudge swap okay, hands yeah. a number of times. I was as considering well. that was the one thing I was considering yeah. taking instead of. Um, relieving someone else of my crappy gift because Kate, uh, you know, she spent like all ten bucks on fudge, and that was a big box of fudge. Uh-huh. That would have been great to have. I had it for a short period, but I lost it. Anyway, you can uh, talk to talk to us about whatever you want here. Uh, it is the Christmas Day edition, and we need to get to something, Johnny Ray, that you didn't get a chance to talk about in the last week. Uh, That's right, and that is the top archaeological finds of 2012. Is that right? The top ten archaeological finds of 2012 so we're going to do that i don't know if you have that prepared do you need a computer turned on or no, i can tease like some that? of it i got it written You've down got, no, on you've the taken notes page. you this is a level of preparation that uh i don't even do for the show <laughs> you actually have handwritten notes uh that that you have here this is great what was Mayan, the source oh the source is archaeology.org okay which is sounds legit yeah, it's a I don't remember the name of the organization, but I'll I'll bring that <clears throat> later. Cool. Also still to come some uh some guy is being held without bail uh for screaming and jumping up and down or something waving his arms at some children. They've uh, arrested him, charged him with some kind of terrorism. Anyway, we can get to that here in a little bit. Let's talk about the archaeology. Oh, sure, Mayan sun god masks. That one is one of the lesser interesting to me. Oh God, that's awful. The uh, Neanderthal or Neanderthal medicine chest. Hmm. Um, some of the the best knowledge to be gotten from Neanderthal remains is the gunk on their teeth, and that's what that story's about. That's a, oh, you are just teasing this. Okay, okay. The first use of poison. How's that for intrigue Ooh. and excitement? At least the first known use, right? Yes, they yeah. found they discovered a tool related to that shall i go on these are good i mean well i'm i'm happy to just jump right into them if you caesar's gallic outpost gallic yes gallic? uh gallic what is gallic what uh, is it, that it's it's france and germany okay and caesar was there for eight years and that was the basis of his memoir and they found a a site in germany i believe that has got sandal nails they discovered a load of sandal nails which told them that there were roman legions Hmm. there it was sort of a forward base for rome in germany or in gallia okay wow like i don't know that much about uh, that sort of history so is the is the suggestion there that they were further out than otherwise had been thought or i suppose the significance of it is that mostly the fact that Caesar was there and mm-hmm. this was this was a camp from when Caesar was doing his 8 years um in Germany which was uh which is the basis of a histor- important historical document okay Scottish Frankenstein mummies wow oh it's what remains does that even mean? Frankenstein it's, mummies. Well, it's 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 remains that have been discovered in Scotland, and they were likely moved from another burial site, and one of the bodies is formed from the bones of several different other bodies. Creepy. Why they why they may have been discovered like that 
will be uncovered later in the hmm. show. Oh, wow. Good tease. The first pots from China. The okay. first pots. I guess the earliest... The earliest known intact People been making pots. pots for a long time. Yeah, discovered been in pot China and smoking it. Europe's oldest engraving. You may be surprised to discover what it's an engraving of. Ooh, ooh, uh, body parts. That's right. Oh, male or female? Male. Wow, awesome. <laughs> Naughty bits. Is that right? Am I right? Yes, private okay. parts. Yep. Private parts, parts that you don't see every day. <laughs> They've been making porn for a long time, apparently. <laughs> I guess so. Europe's Europe's oldest engraving. <laughs> That's all coming up uh, tonight. Is that it's ten of them? Right? Do we all already go through ten? Uh, I wasn't counting. I okay. think I got um, Aztec ritual burial. Ooh, okay. Don't remember the details of that. Didn't write it down in my notes. Yeah. We will determine uh, which of these is the most amazing. Do you have an opinion on that, Johnny Ray? The first use of poison, I think, was the most interesting to me. Yeah. Or maybe Neanderthal medicine chest, which I've pretty much, I've given away a lot of that one now, but there's more mm. more to that yeah, story. Well, what is in the medicine chest? I mean, I don't know that, so we'll find out here in a little bit. Also, we'll take your calls about whatever's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. Plus, you know, some newsy sort of things here uh, tonight, like I said, this guy in Fort Lauderdale being held without bond for apparently intentionally terrorizing children by waving his arms at them and screaming. That's now illegal. 855-450-FREE is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. All that's on the way and more. Plenty of time for you and your thoughts, plus a story about those folks that are locked up in prison for not testifying to a grand jury in the Northwest. Puke in the Gang, the podcast for grumpy young men, brings you issues. We are talking about raping babies. I love Nazis. Beast Jesus. News. New York shuts down vibrator giveaway. Here's a fun story out of uh, Spain. El Correo. No, wait, that's a newspaper. Personal stories. I kicked a windshield once because I was angry. I just got annoyed and I wanted to die. I know all the words to get jiggy with it. I have a horribly tiny penis. Responsible journalism. I'm drinking my liquor. When we do the show, we're generally drunk. Pukeinthegang.com. And cake. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 855-450-FREE. If you would like, otherwise you can listen to Johnny Ray and I uh, talk about various different things. Everything from archaeology finds the top 10 of 2012. Uh, Johnny Ray is brought in for us tonight. All the way down through uh, some cra- some guy who's been arrested for waving his arms at some children and screaming, and he's being held without bond on some sort of terrorism-related charge. There's that story, plus many more to discuss this evening. Uh, we'll give you an update on the folks that are in prison in the Northwest. We talked about them a few months ago when they were put into to the prison for refusing to testify in front of a grand jury about some uh, anarchist activities in the Northwest and are being held without any kind oh, of there's sentence. News, there's news on them. Yep, there's an update on what, uh, what the conditions are like uh, for where they're staying. Oh, I'd be very curious to hear about that. Yeah, so we'll talk about that uh, coming up here. But Johnny Ray, last week you talked about uh, maybe doing some archaeological finds <laughs> from 2012, and we didn't get to them, so you brought them back in. 
and you've teased them all at this point. So, and you want the full the full treatment? I don't know. Should we should we spread them out over the whole show? Because that's one of the like you can do a, to- a top ten list in two different ways. As far as I'm concerned, one is to just go through the top ten, uh-huh. uh, one after the other, and the other is to spread it out over the whole show. Now. If you spread it out over the whole show, you get the benefit of kind of teasing people with it throughout the entire program. Like, oh, well, coming up, we'll tell you about this archaeological find and then talk about something else in the meantime. But the problem with that is that if we get all of a sudden an influx of calls, which, you know, you never know. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. It is Christmas Day. You never know what's going to happen. Right. That's what that's what buried the the whole story last week. Yeah. We just got caught up doing other stuff. Right. So if you spread it out, there's that chance that you know we'll go off the rails and end up never being able to finish it. So well, I'm not married to either way, but we need to make a decision. I say spread them out. All right. Pick one of them. Which one do you think we should start with? Maya sun god masks. The Maya sun god masks. All right. Right. This is from archaeology.org, a publication of the Archaeological Institute of America. Maya sun god masks. El Zotz, Guatemala, by Eric A. Powell. Archaeologists have unearthed a spectacular series of stucco masks at the Maya city of El Zotz. Dating to between A.D. 350 and 400, the five-foot-tall masks decorated a temple atop El Diablo Pyramid, which commemorates the founder of the city's royal dynasty. A five-foot-tall mask. Wow. Yeah, a stucco mask. Yeah. They show different phases of the sun as it makes its way across the sky. Between the gods are representations of Venus and other planets. It's a celestial symphony says Brown University archaeologist Stephen Houston, who co-led the excavation with Edwin Roman of the University of Texas. The sun is closely associated with Maya kingship, and these images celebrate that link. Do you Are you into big, tall masks? I'm not. No, not really. No. no. But, I mean, they were, clearly. Right, and um, they were painted bright red, which is, there's a rendering here of one of them, and it's a very bright red, which is a pretty color. Is it creepy? Is it intimidating? I mean, is it something that – how do you describe this mask? I mean, is it something that a god would wear? Yes. It's hard to describe, Ian. It red, could be someone – foot tall. <laughs> someone – I'm just looking at the, at, at, at the one as it exists now. And that seems like it could be very scary, kind of horrific – it's definitely otherworldly. Yeah, okay. I did take a look, a quick look at it. It, it does have that kind of classic Maya look to it, uh, which, you know, I don't, you're right. It's very hard to describe that. So one would want to put in, like, search for Maya sun god mask, and that will probably pull this up. Yeah. I mean, what, what, I wish I could answer this question. Some, there are men who walk the earth now who can answer this question. What was happening in the temple atop El Diablo pyramid? Sounds like it could be a scary place, especially with these red the accents. The Devil Pyramid? Pyramid uh, of the Devil? Uh, th- you, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, El, maybe maybe this El Diablo isn't uh, the El Diablo. May- There's only one Diablo, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's the devil, is it not? I suppose so. I just I, I want to make it clear that I, I have no authority on this issue. Fair enough. But El Diablo, yeah. Yeah, that's why I brought it up, because the devil... Seems like a scary place, and the mask is scary. Cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. Let's uh, let's do another one here uh, in, a, in a short bit, and we'll continue, the, unless there was more that you wanted to share on that, that one. No, no, we'll 
do another one later. So the medicine chest. Well, let's do that one coming up here. <laughs> that's that's what I've, That's what's next. All right, cool. Uh, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, and here's a story out of Broward County, Florida, where a judge ordered David Birch, this from NBCMiami.com, held without bond on Thursday of last week. And saying that he believed the 28-year-old man intentionally terrorized children at a Fort Lauderdale elementary school when he screamed and waved his arms at them. Broward County Circuit Court Judge John Hurley said he viewed Birch's actions Wednesday near Bayview Elementary School against the backdrop of the Newtown, Connecticut school shooting last week. 22 children, ages 7 or 8 were playing kickball on the field just south of the school when Birch, who was wearing camouflage pants, which you know never helps, never helps you look sane, wearing camouflage, started screaming and jumping up and down. Fort Lauderdale police officer Rick Rhodes said in court the physical education teacher had all the kids run back into the school for their safety. Her- <laughs> Two weeks ago, this just would have been some crazy guy walking by the school grounds. You know, it would have been no big deal had the... Maybe so, maybe not. You think they would have freaked out like this if they, yeah, there hadn't just been a school shooting? Y- yes. They live in a constant uh, state of fear in places like that. You see somebody jumping up and down screaming with camo pants on, then the children will be herded back inside for sure. Hurley, reading from a police report, said the kids were playing when, the Bur- when Birch approached the fence and began screaming in a very aggressive manner. One of the teachers observed Birch create a high level of fear in the 22 children. Birch was later found by roads in a wooded area near the school. The judge noted that the children and the teacher and the employees there, they were all in a heightened state of fear. And the backdrop to this, obviously, just ha- is what just happened in Connecticut. Uh, so these children, they say, were in a unique position of emotional vulnerability, which never really probably ended until people knew that this man was apprehended. How many, I'm just curious, how many 7- and 8-year-olds were aware of what happened in Connecticut? How you know how much penetration does the national what grade news is media? That? What grade is that in school? Seven, that's like second or third grade. They all know about it. No, you think so? I don't agree. I think I they was wheeled, totally oblivious. I think they wheeled TVs into the classrooms and 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 I'm sure they all had moments and their teachers t- talked to them about what happened at this other school. Maybe you're right. That's interesting because I don't you know obviously. Maybe school shootings weren't happening when I was in elementary school because I don't remember hearing about anything like that. I remember the the day the Challenger exploded. That's the that's what I'm what's going through my mind right now. I was in the second grade. Oh my god, that's such a creepy coincidence, Ian. What well, what's the coincidence? Do yeah, we there, both it's remember not, that? No, no, there's <laughs> there's no creepy coincidence. I don't remember what grade I was in. I'm sure if I what was it eighty six? I must have been first grade. I would think. 855-450-FREE. I don't know what year it was. We'll continue here in a moment. Uh, You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Should this guy be, and by the way, the charge, disorderly conduct. But is what this man did a crime? Being outside of the fence, at the government school, yelling and waving his arms. I'm sorry. There's no victim to this. More coming up. Your thoughts are welcome. Are you a fan of beer, liberty, and good conversation? Do you support freedom, peace, and voluntary interaction? Are you looking to meet others who think like you? Don't wait for your move to the Free State Project to get started when you can do something about it today. This is Amanda Mill, encouraging you to set up a Liberty on the Rocks network near you to begin connecting and informing libertarian thinkers over drinks. 
visit www.LibertyOnTheRocks.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you would like. It's the live Christmas Day edition of the program with you in the studio tonight. It's Ian here. And Johnny Ray. Inviting you over to our website, freetalklive.com. We've got listening options, broadband, midband, and narrowband versions of the show. They are all free. You can uh, tune into whichever one works best for you for your internet connection speed. Obviously, the broadband is going to sound the best, but if you don't have the bandwidth for it, you can always try the midband or narrowband, and one of them will fit your internet connection. Uh, and they're free. Listen.freetalklive.com. You can also get a list of the over 100 radio stations that uh, thankfully air the show at various different times throughout the week. Our satellite listening options include XM Satellite Radio, where we're heard all week long. Plus, there's our KU Band free-to-air channel up on Galaxy 19. In addition, uh, we've got the webcam and the listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way. So go to listen.freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, you need to know about SACL CAI. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients as well. Go and visit SACL CAI through their banner on our website at freetalklive.com. It's right there at the top of the banner column on the right-hand side of the page. Again, that's SACL CAI. We'll continue the story about the man who is being charged with disorderly conduct for waving his arms and yelling uh, at some school children in a moment. But Johnny Ray, we are going to be uh, sharing with you, or sharing with our listeners, uh, we'll be sharing these archaeological finds, top right. 10 for 2012. Exactly. Let's continue that list. You've got the uh, some kind of a medicine box a Neanderthal medicine box. The name of the article is Neanderthal medicine chest. Now okay. there is no there's no chest of medicine involved here. Hmm. This is by Zach Zorick, Polonia Asturias, Spain. The latest frontier in Neanderthal research is not the artifacts they left behind or remnants of their DNA. Rather, it is the gunk that stuck to their teeth. Karen Hardy of the Catalan Institution for Research and Advanced Studies in Spain and Stephen Buckley of the University of York in the United Kingdom used a variety of chemical analyses that helped uncover the first evidence that Neanderthals consumed medicinal plants. Uh Uh-huh. The team examined the chemicals embedded in the calcified plaque on the teeth of five Neanderthals dated to between 50,600 and 47,300 years ago from El Cidron Cave in Spain. The research showed that the Neanderthals inhaled wood smoke, probably from a campfire, and that they had eaten cooked plant foods as well as the bitter-tasting medicinal plants chamomile and yarrow. They had to have a body of knowledge about plants to select yarrow and chamomile, says Hardy. The same analyses used in this study... The same analyses used in this study have the potential to be used on almost any tooth. According to Hardy, they could be used to provide direct evidence of homonym diets going back millions of years. Ian, do you know what uh, we use yarrow and chamomile for today? I've had tea that has chamomile in it. Chamomile tea is very popular. It's soothing for like a sore throat, I think. And people use it to put themselves to sleep. I did not know that. 
Chamomile has a number of indications. Is that something that uh, you know when you put it when you use it to put yourself to sleep? Is it something that you're eating or are you like burning it? How do people use it to, to drinking it in tea? I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know all of its uh, its effects, but apparently they found out back in the day. They've been using it for a long time. Yep. Uh, yarrow, if my if memory serves, is used to constrict. No, maybe open up blood vessels. It's uh, okay. it's an analgesic or or something, uh, something like that. Which would be like an aspirin or something like it, that. Yeah, yeah, yep. And um, um, one of them was uh, used for hemorrhoids, Ian. Oh my! Yes. Now, Ian. <laughs> yes, Johnny. Not Ray. to be taken. <laughs> Um, internally, but topically, okay. Always Ian? a bad idea to do anything but uh, take that topically. It, yeah. Right, topically, right. topically. Not supposed to put it in there. You're supposed to put it on, <laughs> on top there. Don't know what I'm saying is not to be steeped and yeah. drunk as a tea. Right, not yeah, to I be consumed. You. Okay, you follow me. Right, but to be okay. So that's how you're going to take care of those hemorrhoids. All right, Ian. <laughs> Yeah, that's all good. Eight five five four fifty free. Is that all we know about their uh, their teeth? Is there more to that? Yes, okay. yes. That is all we know, or there is more of that. No, that's there. We know more about yarrow and chamomile, but right. as far as we know here at archaeology dot org and uh, the fans putting it out there, that's all we know about what was in their teeth. So they didn't actually find any kind of medicine chest. That was just. What they called that—that's just the the wording in the title of the story. Because I was I was actually interested to see if they actually had like an actual medicine, like a first aid kit or something like. That. Right, sixty-seven thousand years old, Ian. Please, <laughs> it's not going to survive. Toll-free number tonight, 855-450-FREE. Uh, so you bring up whatever you want. We'll do more of those. We've got eight more of the top ten archaeological finds of 2012 here in a little bit. Uh, but there's a guy who is currently facing disorderly conduct charge in uh, Florida. Broward County, Florida, was arrested in the woods near a school after he had screamed in a what is called a very aggressive manner. And they believe that the children's level of fear was high and so apparently because some kids got scared that that's enough reason to arrest a man and then on top of that they decided to hold him without bond i'm okay with that you think so why because that's how we do it ian who's we We why can't you just say to the kids hey that's a crazy guy just don't pay him pay him no mind Hmm. here you you go and play your tag games and uh, play whatever games you were playing on the playground and if he comes over here, then you want to run, kids. But otherwise, he was on the outside of the fence. I mean, it wasn't as though he was screaming and running towards the children. I think that could be perceived as a threat. But just some crazy... I mean, we're talking about Miami here. There's probably crazy people all over the place. Are we going to arrest everybody who's screaming on the street corner? This sort of thing probably just happens all the time. Maybe they're sharing it with us now because of the Newtown, Connecticut. What happens all the time? Guys screaming at school children or people being arrested for it? Guys screaming at school children. I don't know how frequently it happens, but I mean, the dude, for all we know, he's crazy or drunk or I don't know the rest of the, you know, what what his circumstances are. And he may actually be crazy because apparently... 
he has had a, a previous uh, incident. Let me get into the rest of the story here. So they're claiming that the kids were scared. Uh, she said, this is the gym teacher, saying that she, uh, he was kind of like a dancing bear, but scared the heck out of the kids and her when she called the children back to the school to all run back to the school. He started to run towards the opening in the fence. Okay, so he did uh, you know, run towards the opening in the fence, but... I suppose that's a legitimate reason to be concerned if he's, you know, running into the schoolyard and screaming at the top of his lungs. Disorderly conduct. But I don't, you know, I don't know if that's really a crime. I don't think that, you know, until something, it's it's one thing to be cautious. It's one thing to tell the kids to get back or go inside or something like that. That, that I get that. That makes sense. But to arrest the guy? I mean, wouldn't it have been just appropriate to say, hey, man, you don't get to come back here. You could issue a uh, you know no trespass order against him, and then if he comes back, then you have a legitimate reason to make an arrest because then you have a trespassing charge. Yeah, I'm not prepared to even comment on that whether or not it would be better to just do that and say, hey, what you know, push on, clear out of here. I got my eye on you, right? Or to take to or to bring him in and get his info, find out who he is, who he is exactly. You know, that's a you make a decent argument there just to process the guy and, you know, get his his numbers and information in, in the system. I certainly don't think he needs to be held uh without bond. He's probably not a continuing threat. Uh but apparently he almost cut his girlfriend's nose off as well. We can tell you more about that here in a moment. Uh 855-450 free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line plus more from Archaeological Finds of 2012, the top 10. Johnny Ray will continue to share those. What's coming up next, Johnny Ray? Do you have that handy? Well, I do next... want to mention that the Mayans maybe were not as evil as I may have implied. We'll come back with more here in moments. It's Free Talk Live at 855-450-FREE. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Free Talk Live, toll-free number tonight, tonight being Christmas Day. We're here live with you tonight. It's Ian. And Johnny Ray. The number is 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. We invite you over to our website. You can enjoy all the features on the site completely free. And uh, do that over at freetalklive.com. Main feature actually allows you to control the content. So if you find something online that you want to share with our listeners and share with the hosts of the show, you can submit it as show prep and then it will appear on our upcoming stories page on the site. Once it receives enough votes, it will be promoted from the upcoming stories page to the front page of the website, meaning more people are likely to see it at that point. So go and get interactive over at freetalklive.com. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you want to help support Free Talk Live, uh, there are various different ways for you to do that. One of them is by shopping with us. Perhaps you're going to go shopping tomorrow after you get all the you know checks from mom and dad or grandmother or whoever it is that sends right. you a check. 
you know, go online, use your Amazon gift cards or whatever. Well, if you go to shop.freetalklive.com, you can start your Amazon shopping experience through our links. And whatever you buy through those links, Free Talk Live will get a portion of that purchase. Now, I don't think we will get, like, if you already have the, the Amazon gift card, we're not going to get a portion of stuff you buy with the gift card. We get the money when you when somebody buys the gift card. So if you had purchased, let's say you wanted to get something for uh, your mother, Johnny Ray, uh-huh. uh, and you want to get her a gift card, if you went to shop.freetalklive.com and bought the gift card through shop.freetalklive.com, we would get the percentage on the gift card up front. We, won't, we wouldn't have to wait until the person redeemed the gift card. So that's the only that's like the only thing if you're going through shop.freetalklive.com and you're you've already got the gift card we won't get a cut of that sale but pretty much anything else you buy through shop.freetalklive.com we'll get a cut of that. Make sense? Sure, sure. Even if you've got that gift card, I would say go to shop.freetalklive.com just for the practice. Just, yeah, just right. for the practice just to get the muscle memory going and all of that sort of thing. It's a good habit to get into. You get the stuff that uh, you're looking for from Amazon. Free Talk Live gets a cut of the sale. You get the same great Amazon deals that you're used to. By the way, I've got to apologize. Uh, I didn't mean to suggest that I had some bad information here. I'm looking at this article from NBCMiami.com about the guy who's been arrested for waving his arms and screaming near school children. Right. He's been charged with disorderly conduct. I said he may have uh, cut off his girlfriend's nose. That is incorrect. He has been uh, arrested for other things. Thank but goodness. I, yep, I got that. Thank goodness. That was misinformation. The public defender in his case argued that Birch should not have been arrested because police were not present for every element of the alleged disorderly conduct and because police did not arrest him while in fresh pursuit. However, the judge found probable cause based on several factors, saying that Birch's disorderly conduct did not cease until he was arrested. A prosecutor said that Birch was previously arrested December 3rd when he was found sleeping on the beach and charged with carrying a concealed axe handle. That's, sure, that's illegal? It's a, it's, it's a shillelagh. It's a weapon. You can bludgeon somebody good with an axe handle. I guess. Uh, resisting an officer without violence? Uh, he had bonded out of jail when the latest incident occurred. Birch was also twice convicted of trespassing in North Carolina earlier this year, said the prosecutor. He said that Birch had intentionally terrorized the children of Bayview Elementary, set the bond at $25,000, and ordered Birch not to return to the elementary school or the adjacent park, and ordered him not to go within 50 feet of any school within the county. But Hurley then revoked Birch's bond for the December case, the one with the axe handle, Meaning he will stay in jail. So, this guy... Here's a guy who I think, uh, in a voluntary society, this guy... This guy wouldn't make it. What do you, you mean? Know, he I, wouldn't make it. I mean, there's going to be crazy people in I'm, the voluntary I'm imagining, society. I'm imagining... And I can, and I'm not advocating it, so I don't even I don't even uh, part of me doesn't even want to say this out loud. But I'm imagining this guy getting beat up, vigilante justice, getting beat for what up. What he did to the kids with an axe handle for 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 screaming and yelling outside the, the school playground. What did he? What was he doing with the with the axe handle? Did he, he was sleeping he on something? the beach. He was just sleeping on the beach. He didn't beat anybody up not, at that well, time? Well, not alleged. They, they have not alleged that he has beaten anyone with the axe handle. They did not, you know, find blood, blood stains or anything like that on it. Okay, but he's scary enough that people, word gets around about 
who this guy is, exactly what he looks like, and people stop selling him food. So he has to go somewhere else and do his jumping and sleeping with axe handles elsewhere. I think that, you know, it's reasonable to suggest that in the voluntary society, the one in which we would like to live, I think, where you don't have this coercive, violent monopoly known as the state uh, lording itself over you, that people would be able to somehow keep undesirable folks away from their society. But the larger a city becomes, the more challenging, you know, something like that is. And if you're talking about Miami, uh, then in this or Fort Lauderdale, which is right next door. He doesn't. He doesn't have to go very far to settle right back into his jumping up and down and screaming at school children. Right. He's. You know. It's going to be hard to keep somebody out of a big city by word of mouth. I just. You know. I get that. And and who knows what mechanisms the market would come up with? I mean, we don't know. We're just talk show hosts, uh, and we don't know what the market and the people in search of profit and the innovators would come up with in a, as far as a way to keep people out of a society that aren't wanted there what are what are those uh molyneux molyneux um insurance agency type things called oh yeah oh god it's been a while since we've talked about those things what did he call them d dris or drms drms defense resolution dispute resolution dros there you go resolution (laughs) organizations Yeah, I don't know whether it would turn out the way Molyneux predicts or not. I mean, again, anybody's free to make a prediction about what they think the marketplace would do and how they would handle this stuff. But I would hope that, you know, if I were living in some sort of uh, futuristic society where people are interacting on a more consensual basis, that hopefully compassion would be the order of the day in that I don't think the way the police handled this is in any way, shape or form compassionate. I mean, the dude's probably disturbed. We don't know what his problem is, but I'm guessing if he's sleeping on the beach with an axe handle uh, concealed in his jacket or something like that, he's, you know, maybe he's homeless. Uh, he's got a nice beard on him here. I'm watching the footage from the uh, the court hearing, and, you know, he's just, he looks like kind of a scraggly dude. I obviously haven't listened to the words that he's speaking uh, at the hearing, but... I can see why small children might be intimidated by someone like this yelling and and screaming at them. But I don't think that the compassionate method for dealing with him is to arrest him and then hold him in a cage without, you know, further notice as far as he's going to be able to get out. I mean, holding having the axe handle shouldn't be a crime. He didn't, you know, wasn't alleged to have hurt anybody with it. Uh, I, you know, I think it's ridiculous that concealing an axe, axe, axe handle is apparently a crime in the state of Florida. So I, I feel sorry for this guy. I think something's wrong with him. Uh-huh. Either that or he's just mean to kids. You know, maybe he just doesn't <laughs> uh-huh. like children. Uh, but I think something is, you know, is wrong with him. That's probably why he did what he did. Uh-huh. And I, I feel like jail isn't a, isn't a real solution. I also don't. I also don't support, you know, interning someone in a psychiatric uh, hospital either. I think that I am generally against that as well. But I also understand the argument that some people make that some people are really crazy and really dangerous. And what do you do about those people in the free market in a in a market in which we don't have the monopoly on violence known as the state, and we don't have, you know, this existing structure where. This, if the state deems you to be uh, crazy enough, they'll just pick you up and lock you away. I think that killers go to places where they can, where they feel like they can kill as many as they can before they are stopped. Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting this guy is a killer? No, 
No, I'm thinking about this man who burned two firemen today. And there, yes, there was a man who set his house on fire and then murdered the firemen who what? came to put out the fire. So I wow. think the people arresting the man for disorderly conduct are trying to stop, are trying to find this other guy before he starts killing. I get it, but how is that going to stop anything? You don't you don't solve a problem with somebody who's crazy by locking them in a cage and then eventually letting them out. I mean, if this guy's crazy and is actually a danger to other human beings, which there's no evidence of that. Uh-huh. You know, they haven't actually charged him with hurting anybody. Uh-huh. If he is actually a danger to other human beings, then you have, uh, you know, a legitimate reason to keep him away from other folks. But if it's all based on speculation, I don't think you've got that. I don't think that qualifies. Your thoughts are certainly welcome at 855-450-FREE. We are here live, by the way. This is the Christmas Day edition of Free Talk Live. So we've got plenty of time for you to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Plus, coming up, we've got something like eight more of the top 10 archaeological finds of 2012. What if the key to achieving liberty in your lifetime was to move together with others who think like you? Liberty activists are joining the Free State Project, which is over halfway to its goal of 20,000 participants. And they're already making the move to New Hampshire. The successes are piling up and are proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. From demonstrations and vigils to outreach and volunteering, there's a lot going on in Keene. Keene is also the undisputed Liberty Media capital of the world, with television, talk radio, and more, all originating here. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, free books, a forum, and activist tools you can download and use in your area at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you would like. It's the live Christmas Day edition of the program. And with you in studio tonight, it's Ian. And Johnny Ray. Merry, Merry Christmas, Ian. And a happy holidays to you and yours, Johnny Ray. Glad to have you here tonight. You've brought along to share with us, share with us the 10, top 10, uh, from 2012, the top 10 archaeological discoveries. We've already talked about Mayan god masks. Uh, we've also, the sun god masks. Yep. Also, uh, the analysis that scientists did, uh, archaeologists did on the tooth enamel of, or whatever was left of their teeth, like chemicals and residue and things like that, to find out what sort of things they were eating. And Neanderthals. Neanderthals. Yeah, Neanderthals. So uh, we're going to continue that list here, and then also on the way, uh, prison, uh, being in prison on Christmas, and being in prison for not actually harming anybody else, but refusing to go along with what the state wants from you. But let's continue the uh, top ten list. What's next? First use of poison. Labombo Mountains, KwaZulu, Natal, South Africa. Hmm. Okay. By Zach Zorik. A notched wooden stick from South Africa's border cave dating to 24,000 years ago contains the earliest evidence of humans using poison. The artifact was found in the 1970s, 
But new chemical studies conducted by a research team led by Francesco Derrico of Bordeaux University in France revealed trace amounts of substances from poisonous castor beans. Hmm. The stick may have been used to apply poison to arrowheads, just as a culture of modern-day hunter-gatherers called the San does today in southern Africa. According to Derrico, poison is an important part of traditional San hunting methods because their bone-tipped arrows usually don't cause enough damage to kill large prey mm-hmm. on their own. The poison applicator is just one of several artifacts, some dating to as early as 44,000 years ago, that resemble objects used by the San. Others include a digging stick, ostrich eggshell beads, carved pig tusks, bone arrow heads, and a lump of beeswax. Dierico's team believes the finds indicate that sand culture emerged about 44,000 years ago, making these the earliest link to a culture of modern humans. The findings also clarify why it is thought that modern human behavior loosely defined as making objects that show symbolic thinking or complex hunting methods, may have begun in Africa. Earlier evidence of such behavior has been uncovered in South Africa at sites such as Blombos Cave and Pinnacle Point, where beads, pigments, and artifacts related to fishing that date to more than 100,000 years ago have been found. Wow. Those types of artifacts, however, seem to disappear from the archaeological record at later times, indicating that those cultures may have died out. The poison and other discoveries from Border Cave, on the other hand, are the earliest that can be directly connected to an extant culture, that being the San. We think of modern humans as people who are able to change their culture all the time, says Dierico. But when we have a very effective cultural adaptation, we don't need to change. 855-450-FREE. We'll continue the list of uh, the 10 top 10 archaeological finds of 2012 here in a little bit. Uh, 855-450-FREE. And we'll move to thestranger.com where they have a story about Catherine Olznik and Matt Duran. And the, the names sound familiar. It's because we talked about them on this program a few months ago uh, when they and a another young lady were locked up in SeaTac Federal Prison for refusing to testify, refusing to speak to the grand jury in an investigation regarding some alleged anarchist activities in the Northwest. And what ended up happening was, for some reason, they let out the pretty girl uh, because, and I forget what her name was, but uh, one, you know, there's a, one of them is a guy, uh, the other one is a, a female, but she's not nearly as attractive as the other one and there was a lot of talk about how you know this the young lady who was uh the attractive of the three got she all had the attention first, yes she she had first written a note a letter in it she did a video blog too yeah so she, and and before she was picked up or turned herself in before she turned herself in she turned yeah. herself in she got out a day later, two a days, days later. Yeah, it wasn't long at all. And she was very, uh, she didn't have a lot to say about anything. She wasn't doing any interviews after that. I haven't heard if she ever has done any interviews. I had reached out to the website uh, that was kind of promoting her, and I never heard back from them. So who knows what's going on with her. But the other two are still there. And the story again from thestranger.com. The visiting room of the SeaTac Federal Prison, uh, Federal Detention Center, is bleak. Prison is supposed to be bleak, but it's difficult to appreciate how bleak it is until you've walked inside. Past the grim security checkpoint, the sallow-faced chaplain with the giant keys hanging from his pants, the many heavy doors that slam shut behind you like a metal thunderclap, 
The off-white walls and institutional lighting that seemed to suck the color out of everyone's hair and clothes. The frosted over windows to block any view of the outside world. And into the visiting room with its plastic chairs arranged in sets of four, with a guard sitting in a high booth presiding over the room so like a board have... judge. Ian, I know I've been to a jail or two, and I know how depressing that is. I can only, Im- I can only imagine how depressing and... and dehumanizing long stretches in prison can be sure you were in jail for months two months did you ever want to pull your hair out or no no i mean it was uh it was a little bit frustrating to have to get up at five thirty in the morning some days to most days to go to work in the kitchen but i enjoyed going and doing the kitchen work it was something to do easy way to pass eight hours uh, or nine hours in some cases. So for me, it was more like uh, being in a. It was more like going to camp, you know, with the guys <laughs> for several months, uh, for a couple months, and that was more of the kind of the vibe that there was there. But then again, we're talking about the Keene Spiritual Retreat, uh-huh. uh, which is Ch- the Ch- it's our fun name for the Cheshire County Jail here in Cheshire County, New Hampshire, uh, where we live. Some other jails would be a much less desirable experience, including the one in Manchester, from what I understand. Uh, Damo Freeman and Wes Freeman, who both spent uh, months in that jail, did not have a pleasant time in that jail. And jail's not supposed to be pleasant. I wouldn't say, you know, obviously I'd rather be outside doing my thing and, you know, whatever it is I want to do outside of the jail. But I went into that jail with the expectation that it would be as positive an experience as I could possibly have. And that's the experience that I had. So, you know, it is what it is. They are designed to be institutional. They're not designed to be comfortable. The beds are not comfortable. Uh, But the way the jail is run can bring a level of humanity to the operation that would not otherwise be present. So, you know, if if you're going into a jail that's being run by a sadistic guy and his guards are also sadists, you're going to have probably a pretty bad time. But if you're in a jail that's run by somebody who actually seems to be in touch with his humanity, I'm talking about Rick Van Wickler, who's the uh, the warden or the superintendent of the, the jail in Cheshire County. Uh-huh. He's also a law enforcement against prohibition member who actually allows his guards to wear law enforcement against prohibition pins at work. So some, some of the guards who support ending prohibition are actually able to express it openly. Uh, express it as part of their uniform. That's amazing. Job. It's, it's it's something special, right? Like you don't really hear about that kind of stuff happening in in any correctional institution. So for me, you know, it was a it wasn't a terrible experience. It wasn't even a really a bad experience. It was just an experience, and that's because that was partially because it was my intention. And partially because I chose Cheshire County as one of the places, you know, my place to live because I knew the jail here was better. And I knew there was a chance I would go to jail because I was into the whole civil disobedience thing. And to some extent, I I still am. Did I answer your question? Yes, it did. So, you know, I think this is interesting reading this uh, Brendan Kiley over at thestranger.com and his, you know, explanation of what it's like to walk into this prison. Most people don't ever do that. They don't ever go to jail or prison, not just 
as a prisoner, but you know, just as somebody to visit. When you get put in jail, they say that you find out who your real friends are because they're the ones who come see you. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, most people don't have any experience going into jail. They don't know what it's like dealing with guards. They don't know or the corrections officers and how institutional it is and how bleak as he's describing it. It's something that more people should experience. And I don't mean that you should go in, you know, as a prisoner, but to just go and visit some people in a jail and just, you know, to experience a little bit of it, to, to get a taste for what that's like. 855-450-FREE. Because I think a lot of people just want to forget about the jail. They don't want to think about that it exists. They don't want to think about the kind of people that are being held there, like these two, who haven't harmed anybody else. We'll continue the story in moments. Are you looking for camping, hunting, survival, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries the name brands you want at the lowest prices. Ammunition, knives, firearm accessories, archery, air guns, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com is family-owned, members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau, and has the lowest prices. Go check it for yourself. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Christmas Day edition of the program. We will take your calls about anything you would like. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us online over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we have waiting for you on our site. They include news updates. You can get signed up and you can follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever your preference. Now, if you're following us via email, you'll get the most important information about Free Talk Live. Like uh, last night, uh, actually in the middle of the night, I posted a recent interview that was conducted with Mark and myself. Uh, We were featured on America Tonight with Kate Delaney. It's her overnight show that she does on uh, a number of stations across the country, and she was kind enough to have us on a couple of weeks ago. You know, Ian, sometimes I spend the night uh, next door, and I hear voices through the walls. I hear noises coming from over here late at night sometimes. No, it doesn't have anything to do with Kate, but uh, she's a very nice lady. She does a show, and she had us on, and I posted that. Uh, The email list will guarantee that you'll find out the latest information about Free Talk Live. Facebook and Twitter, you don't get a guarantee, right? Because you don't know, you know, whenever you're on Facebook, you only see what happens to be on your news feed at that moment. So it's a little bit more, uh, I don't know, flighty. With uh, with Facebook, right? But you can uh, you can still sign up there because obviously Facebook and Twitter are real big. So go to news.freetalklive.com. You can follow us in whatever way uh, or method pleases you, and of course they're all free. By the way, I forgot to mention last night it is Twitter Tuesday. So uh, if you tweet something at Free Talk Live, we will follow the Free Talk Live account. Will follow your Twitter account in return. So just tweet something at symbol the words Free Talk Live all run together as one word, and then it'll show up on our radar, so to speak. And and uh, we'll give you a follow in return. So again, Twitter Tuesday, that offer uh, continues for the remainder of the evening tonight. I still don't know the first thing about no Twitter. You know, Twitter was uh, a mystery to me uh, up until a few months ago, several months ago, and it's still something I don't entirely, I don't really entirely grasp, but I've become able to use Twitter, and I feel like I'm using it probably better than you know the average radio station might use it but i'm certainly in no way a twitter expert excellent i still don't really understand the whole trending thing and why that even matters or who even cares about that but i guess somebody does it i don't know if you've heard about this but 
if you put a, a pound sign in front of words, then that helps contribute to those terms trending on Twitter. And I guess that's like what's hot, what people are, are talking about or what they're searching for. So you're supposed to put the pound sign in front of words that could be trending. I'm sure I'm explaining this in a very poor manner. Uh, but You and I both live in New England. The uh, New England is the home to a lot of professional sports teams, among them the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Shaquille O'Neal, I think, is a Celtic. I, I know he no was clue. a Celtic, a new Celtic. I only know Larry Bird was on the Celtics back <laughs> in the 1980s. I don't know anything else about basketball. The Boston Celtics have had, uh, nor do I, first of all, I yeah. know nothing about basketball. But since mo- when I first moved here, the talk radio I listened to was news talk radio because it's talk and it's not idiotic or offensive like all the political talk is so i listened to sports talk Uh it was pretty smart and i sort of became a fan of the new england teams i see i'm sorry i learned on twitter (laughs) that shaquille o'neal was hanging out at a park i think it was harvard park Maybe did he tweet that he was hanging? Yes, out he there? did. Yes, he so did. So you're following him. So you use Twitter? No, 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 no. I heard about it on ninety three point five Sports oh, Talk. Oh, okay. So you heard about it through old media who was monitoring the Twitter accounts. That's right. And then you went to the park. Certain? No, I didn't. No, no, I, did, I didn't. <laughs> and screamed and jumped up and down. <laughs> Bunch of people did though, and they got their picture taken with Shaq. How about that? Um, Shaquille O'Neal has always had a power over me. He's always been very appealing. Really? He's so tall and he's very charismatic. He's... Have you met him before? No, how I haven't. How do you know then? How do you know? I mean, I've, obviously I've... you know he's tall, but how do you know he's charismatic? I've seen him on television okay. a handful of times. Maybe and that's not the real him, though. Maybe he's just putting on an act. He can't fake what I've seen. Okay. All right. I'll take your word for it. So, so... I'm not sure. Oh, that was that's when did you the become biggest, a, That's the biggest Twitter event that that I that has happened to me. Just imagining going to Harvard Park and <laughs> and giving Shaq a high five. When when did you uh, become aware that Shaq was like that? You were a fan. I don't remember. Were Ian, you, were you were you a young man at the time? I mean, have you been following his career for a number of years, or is it a recent development? You know, I saw him probably on. Um, an awards show or something, some mm-hmm. kind of pop culture thing that wasn't necessarily sports related, although it may have been. It may have been a sports show that I saw him on, sports talk show where he was sitting there giving his perspective on some sport event. And he's just, just like you can tell with anybody, no matter what their specialty is, if they've got some great talent like he's got for affability and brains and a quick, clever mind, it makes itself evident immediately. So I've Mm -hmm. only seen him a couple of times, but I know he's the man and I'd love to shake his hand. And I, this year I'm going to get an O'Neal Celtics jersey. Cool, man. You should follow your dreams. I support that. (laughs) 855-450-FREE. By the way... Uh, you've been hearing about Bitcoins for a while now on Free Talk Live. The number of people using them around the world is exploding. If you have a business and want to accept Bitcoins but aren't sure how to go about it, you're in luck. BitPay has made it easy for you. Thanks to BitPay, there is now an easy way for any website, charity, or retail store to accept Bitcoins and have them instantly converted into cash and deposited right into your bank account. These fees involved are much lower than the credit cards that you might have been dealing with in the past. And there's no risk of chargeback or fraud. Visit BitPay.com to get started. That's 
BitPay.com. Question, Ian. Yes, sir. How do you pronounce the word caramel? You know, I, it might depend on my mood. I think I, I, think I pronounced it car- caramel. As does Shaq. As opposed to caramel? Exactly. Yeah. What about you, Johnny? I pronounce it caramel. Caramel. Yeah, Is that you, a southern thing to, can I, to pronounce it like that? I don't think so. Tomato? Tomato? Tomato. All Americans say yeah. tomato. Does anyone say tomato? Is it English like a European people thing? do. So uh, let's, we've got enough time for another one of these archaeological finds, I think. The top 10 archaeological discoveries of 2012. What's next on the list? Aztec Ritual Burial, Mexico City, Mexico by Roger Atwood. Mexico's Templo Mayor was a center of Aztec civic life before the Spanish conquest. In 2012, archaeologists learned more about its importance for civic death. In a grisly discovery, they excavated more than 1,000 tightly packed human bones, among them 45 skulls and 250 jaw bones. There was only one complete undisturbed skeleton in a separate niche. A woman lying face down, her left hand resting enigmatically on her back and her right on her abdomen. She was surrounded by more bones, including at least 10 skulls, plus ceramic and charcoal offerings. Raul Barrera of Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History says the larger cache was probably a closure deposit buried as a kind of consecration after an important building phase around 1479. Because the bones are so crowded together, he says they must have been buried elsewhere, exhumed, and reburied here. But not all of them. Barrera's team excavated a volcanic (laughs) slab used for human sacrifices, beneath which they found five more skulls with gaping perforations. Repeat. We can continue here in moments. 855-450-FREE. I'm glad somebody else on this show has an appreciation for rolling some R's when it's an appropriate time to do it. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL has also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves and do it toll-free at 855-450-FREE. Yeah, we're actually here live. It's Christmas Day, and it's Ian here in the studio. And Johnny Ray. And we'll take your calls about whatever you would like. 855-450-FREE, the toll-free number here tonight. I mentioned a few moments ago, BitPay.com has a great solution for businesses, charities, people that want to accept payments in Bitcoin online but aren't sure how to go about it. But Bitcoins aren't just for business. Uh, Bitcoins are for the individual. Bitcoins help you free yourself from the strictures of the existing monetary system. All of its gatekeepers, all of its, uh, you know, the people that set the rules up and, uh, you know, decide whether or not to allow you to have an account. You got to jump through some hoops, give them your social security number in order to get a bank account or credit card, things like that. Not so with Bitcoin. You can just get some. Download the Bitcoin client. There's a few of them available. There's the regular one and there's some alternative clients. Download the Bitcoin client of your choice and you're good to go. Something new is going to rise from the ashes of the 
the monetary system we have today in the world. And Bitcoin seems like the most credible extant currency to to be that thing that 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 survives into the future. I think that you're right about that. I mean, obviously, I'm counting on it to some extent because I've got some Bitcoins and I intend to continue holding those Bitcoins in the hopes that they will continue to grow. Of course, we never know what's going to happen. There could be some sort of Bitcoin killer uh, that comes out, meaning that a better digital currency, not that Bitcoin will die from it, but you know, something that could be somehow perceived as better than or more advanced than the Bitcoin. There are some competitors out there, but they don't have near the the you know the market share, the value uh, that Bitcoin does. There's a couple of others. But Bitcoin's there. It, it made it to market first. It did it successfully. It has the ability to, you know, to be changed over time. It's not locked into the same old system. They can upgrade the, you know, the potential for how it works. It's an open source project. And I, I totally agree, Johnny. Ray. It's, it's an amazing currency that is now the most valuable currency in the world. If that doesn't tell you something special about Bitcoin, I don't know what does. I mean, besides the fact that you can transfer money instantly or virtually instantly across the world to anyone else with uh, with a Bitcoin wallet, go to bitinstant.com. It's the fastest, safest, and easiest way to acquire Bitcoins. Because once you get the Bitcoin client, it doesn't come with free money. You've got to put Bitcoins in there. And the only way, one of the ways you can do it is by getting Bitcoins from others, so maybe selling some service or product to them and getting them to pay you in Bitcoins. But the other way to do it is to convert cash, the cash you already have, into bitcoins and bitinstant makes that possible you can do it by depositing that cash at more than a million locations worldwide in over something like 30 countries uh, as well as your own computer through things like dwalla all you have to do is go to bitinstant.com get started it's very simple you don't need an account or anything like that bitinstant.com ian i think it's very interesting that the bitcoin nominally is the most quote valuable currency in the world Mm -hmm. but otherwise i don't think that that is really very important its nominal value to any currency and to the truth i'm not sure what is uh what are the great metrics to to judge the value of a currency one of them might be its value today compared to what it was a week ago and a year ago it's the bitcoin in this instance is certainly higher than it was a week ago. I think that the value, the actual dollar value, because you can value Bitcoins and whatever other currency you would like, convert it over, but the the dollar value of Bitcoins is an indicator of how valuable it is to people. Like, if Bitcoins weren't valuable to folks, then they wouldn't be worth 13-something apiece right Uh now. So the fact is that people know the Bitcoin is easy to use. They know it's something that, uh, that is effective. It does what it says it's going to do. It's reliable, and it bypasses all the old financial networks and the gatekeepers. That's real value, and the market has decreed that by making it you know, worth 13-something bucks a piece. And this summer it was, what, 7 or 10 or somewhere in there like that? It's- it had gone down to as low as 6, I think. Not sure if that was this summer when I came into the big when I started buying them they were nine and now they're about thirteen twenty five I think yeah I wish I'd been smart enough to buy them early on but I just you know 
it took me a while to figure out uh, figure it out. So let's get back to the story about the folks in prison. Uh, SeaTac Federal Detention Center. We're all over the place uh, tonight, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. So thestranger.com is talking about walking into this place, uh, SeaTac Federal Detention Center. There's a large visiting room with many doors leading off to other places. It also serves as a transit point in the prison. Men and the occasional woman wearing prison khakis sit, staring into the middle distance with flat expressions, waiting until a guard, sometimes wearing latex gloves, opens a door and barks out names. Then the inmates get up, sometimes eagerly and sometimes hesitantly, and walk into some other chamber of the federal fortress. Amid all the bleakness, inmate Catherine Olgenick seems surprisingly smiley and optimistic. She's one of two inmates I've come to visit. The other is Matt Duran, who have been sitting in this prison for around three months. Duran a few days more than that, Olgenick a few days less. They haven't been accused of a crime. They haven't even been arrested for a crime. They're here because they refuse to answer questions for a federal prosecutor in front of a grand jury about people they may or may not know who those people are, who they hang out with, and what political opinions those people hold. Just to give you a quick rewind, these people were arrested uh, after some May Day activities happened in Seattle. And the people that we're talking about here weren't involved in those activities. And they said that the police seemed to know that, but they still wanted to ask them questions about some other anarchists that they were associated with. These cops went in and raided anarchists' homes. They went and raided these folks' homes, and they took literature. They took clothing. And clothing, right. And computers. And they, you know, they didn't actually make any arrests in those occasions. They just took all their stuff. Then later, they got the grand jury indictment saying, you need to come and talk to us. And basically, these people are being imprisoned until further notice, which could be several months, or could be something like 18 months last time I looked, until the grand jury is no longer impaneled. So basically, they get to hold them in prison until they are no longer impaneled, the grand jury, because they refuse to speak. So you thought you had a right to remain silent? Well, maybe you do have a right to remain silent, but they apparently have the right to put you in a cage if you do. It's crazy what's being done to these people. Can you tell me more about grand jury impaneling? I don't know much about it at the federal level. I know how it works in New Hampshire. They have the, you know, like the county grand juries that do the indictments. Basically, it's a group of people. They bring them in to uh, to court. Uh, not like a pettit jury. The pettit jury is the, you know, the 12 or the 6 or whatever that would sit on and, and actually judge a case. The grand jury's job is to come in and look at what the county attorney wants to put out there as far as indicting people and you know, charging them with felonies and serious misdemeanors, things like that. Uh, so they're presented with the case, basically. They're presented with the pitch on the case by the county attorney and are told to vote true bill or no bill, technically, as I think is what it's called. And it's something like 22 or 23 or 4 people on the grand jury here in New Hampshire. And feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. This may or may not apply to to where you live, but generally the whole true bill, no bill thing applies and generally, you know, the statements I'm making, I think, are true most grand juries across the country. So they hear the, the pitch. They say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, Mr. Whoever has, you know, we would like to indict him for, uh, you know, selling drugs or murder or whatever it is that the alleged crime is. And then the grand jury takes a look at all that information and they determine whether or not they think that this is a case worth moving forward with. Uh-huh. And I believe they only need a majority of the grand jurors in order to move forward, so you don't have to have a unanimous decision to do it, to, bring, to continue bringing those charges. Mm-hmm. So they bring back their, uh, their decisions, and then at that point, the indictments, I think, are then official. 
that makes sense yeah and can you explain how that would be how that this this grand jury would be would be acting in the case of these people in seattle in well, the seattle area i guess th- now this yeah right so this is a federal grand jury i don't know how different that is from the state grand jury what you know about the state grand juries I don't know if they can bring people in to testify in front of the state grand juries besides the prosecutors. I, maybe they can. Maybe they can do this very same thing in your local grand juries. But what it sounds like is that they wanted to have these people be interviewed in front of the grand jury for some reason. And these guys just aren't willing to participate. We'll tell you more about their prison experience here in a moment. 855-450-FREE. And we'll take your calls about anything you want on this live Christmas Day edition of Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, toll-free number tonight, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us online, freetalklive.com. Live Christmas Day edition of the show. Merry Christmas. Indeed. Ho, ho, ho. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Johnny Ray. Uh, We're going to go right back to the phones, and then we'll continue talking about prison and the anarchists that have been in prison now for three months because they didn't want to speak. They didn't want to talk to a grand jury. But Dave is on the line listening in Honolulu where it's still the uh, the daytime. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey there. Yeah, the sun's still up in Honolulu. Indeed, sir. What's well, a, what is it, uh, six, like will, two in the uh, afternoon there, two, two, 245, something like that? Uh, 345. 345. All right, go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, because we don't do uh, daylight saving. Nice. Goes back and forth. Um, I'm hoping you will give me sort of a retrospective on your experience with civil disobedience. What were your objectives before you set out on that? And do you think you uh, achieved your objectives? What did you learn? Were you trying to shame the status or get them to actually cave in? Or were you just trying to educate the bystanders? Or mm, that's a good question. Gandhi or MLK or... Yeah, that's a good question. It's hard to really answer it because I've been involved in several different uh, arrests for civil disobedience and non-cooperation. Most of them were spur-of-the-moment decisions uh, that, you know, just kind of I was in a situation and didn't back down like, you know, recent – uh, the the recent one in Palmer, Massachusetts. Yeah, I want to say it's it's a lot about just being true to yourself. Right. I mean, I I'd made the decision in advance in a lot of cases that I was willing to uh, to make that stand. Like you know, the time Johnny Ray when we were arrested, uh, you were not arrested for standing in front of the police cars, but you were arrested on that same occasion for having an open container. Yes, and I told you uh, that I was sitting there. They were arresting. Was it Heika? Yep. They were arresting Heika, and you were no David. David Krause had uh, mm-hmm. had had placed him had put himself in front of the police car, right? And I was not on the Heika day. It was David Krause who had inspired me to do it by sitting in front of the police car during the 420 celebration arrests in Nashua at the Liberty Forum the year prior to that. So in 2009, 
I believe, is when David Krause was arrested. So when I saw David do that, I knew that I wanted to emulate that particular action. And I had made the decision that the next time I saw the police arresting someone peaceful, that I was going to stand in front of a police car. So that was uh, that instance, Dave, the standing in front of the police car was probably the most planned uh, instance of civil disobedience that I have uh, involved in, you know, that that resulted in arrest. There's other civil disobedience where I, you know, was, plan- you know, involved and people weren't arrested, like smoking cannabis on Central Square here in Keene. Uh, but that one I'd planned in advance. I planned what I was going to do, but I did not plan when or where it was going to occur. So on the day that Heiko was being arrested that you're talking about, Johnny Ray, I decided that was when I was going to put my plan into uh, into motion, and I encouraged some others to join me, and four people did stand in front of and behind those uh, those police cruisers. So, uh, you know, no... What, what was your objective, though, and do you think you uh, achieved it? My objective was to was stand... To not do nothing while they right. were arresting Heiko. Yeah, it was a very simple objective. I had been inspired to to make a stand, and that was my time to do it. Uh, to stand up for someone who was peaceful, who was being arrested in an attempt to prevent that, to send a message to the police that I, you know, I don't appreciate that you cared what enough doing. about what they were doing that you would do something about it. Exactly. Yeah. Without that, you would you would do what you could without having to resort to violence. Yep. You, I would say you nailed that one. And then, in, you know, like I said, in other one, in other cases. Uh, you know, Palmer, town of Palmer. I didn't expect to have any issue with recording video in the town hall, but when I showed up and there was a sign on the door that said no video recording allowed, I certainly knew there was a good chance they could be arresting me at that point. I didn't want to be arrested in Massachusetts, but once you get the hang of uh, standing up for yourself, it's hard to back down in a situation like that. So when the man uh, in the uniform threatened me, I did not back down and was arrested, charged with disorderly conduct. So for me, there's not a whole lot of thought and planning that goes into most of these things because I'm just in so many occasions where I'm you know, encountering these status and the aggressors and you know, they give me these opportunities to stand up for other people's freedoms or my own in certain cases and, and I just do that. So I know that there are some people that are better at planning civil disobedience. Uh, your old roommate, Johnny Ray, Andrew Carroll, made a real big splash when he did a marijuana civil disobedience. It's probably been three or four years now. It was uh, in 2009. Yeah. And uh, he made a big deal about it. We promoted it effectively in advance. He went out to uh, one of the public squares here in Keene, New Hampshire, held the marijuana out in his hand, gave a speech. Read some Nietzsche quotes. Right. And then the cops actually showed up 20 minutes later. Uh, so had he just come, made the speech and left, he probably would have gotten away with it. But the cops showed up uh, later on after we were all still kind of milling around and, and made that arrest. And and I think that, you know, I think that he milked that for as much publicity as uh, as it possibly could have gotten. Um, but I, have I answered your question? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, what I would learn from that, I think, is that, you know, anytime you're going to take take video in those circumstances, there's a, a chance that they're going to surprise you and and freak out, and so you have to have a contingency. Okay, what are we going to do if they start freaking out about the video? Because you know, with the Glick decision and everything else, they still arrested you. So I think there's there's kind of nothing we we can't claim to be surprised when anything happens. Anymore. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you if you're going into an encounter with people with guns and badges. 
uh, then you know there's a chance that you could end up in a cage. And funky incentives. Anything can happen. Right. The more uh, disobedient and non-cooperative you are, the more likely they're going to come up with some kind of a catch-all charge, like a disorderly conduct, for instance, and uh, and take you away. And, you know, half the time with these charges, they drop them before trial. And so really that they're ultimately just coming up with a way to stop you from doing what you're doing and get you off the street and stop, you know, whatever scene is being created. Of course, usually they're the ones creating the scene by making the arrests. But, uh, you know, even if they know that the charges aren't going to stick, they have no liability for a false charge. And that can be good for you. It could be good. That can be good for you. That can be good better than some of the alternatives. If they're going to... Like getting a a club to the head? I mean, what do you mean by alternatives? Yeah, uh, like being, being... booked and charged and and put in jail for something instead of being being taken away from you know being being kidnapped temporarily only and then yeah, but being most released. Of the, most of the time you get a charge and then that charge stays until several months later when you actually end up going to trial and that whole time you're living under bail conditions. So ultimately you have been punished even without ever seeing the inside of a courtroom. If they end up dropping that charge 12 months later, but the whole time you've been on bail conditions that say you can't do this and this and this, then to some extent you've been restricted without any kind of due process of uh, you know, being in court and actually being convicted. Yeah, being, being charged with a crime is always inconvenient, and Indeed. it's always a bad thing. So, Dave, uh, you know, for me, it's it's hard watching people do civil disobedience because it seems like it's it's unsustainable. Like, I fully support it. I... You know, have engaged in it myself, I will likely continue to engage in it. Uh, I also love non-cooperation because that's just one of those things you do when they come after you and you just don't cooperate. You know, for the speeding ticket that I recently had dropped, that was a totally kind of non-cooperative thing. It wasn't really civil disobedience. But I see, you know, people getting burned out on it because there just aren't enough people. There's not a critical mass of people doing civil disobedience. It's a risky behavior. It's usually worthwhile, in my opinion, for the personal empowerment that it involves. Uh, for me, it's, it's for me, it was a personal journey uh, more so than anything else. Uh, that was empowering but then beyond that you know there's not really much that has changed you could argue that here in Keene we have kind of a demilitarized zone for cannabis in Central Square and that might have been a success story certainly the 420 celebrations we had at Con- in Concord have been unmolested every single time we've had them with you know a couple hundred people engaging in smoking cannabis in the, the front of the state house steps so there's certainly real tangible evidence of civil disobedience working in the moment to stop the aggressors from doing their aggressive acts uh but you know it hasn't led to laws being repealed or anything like that and usually the people who engage in civil disobedience get burned out pretty fast and we don't have enough people to keep up any kind of serious uh lengthy campaign of it so a lot of what it has done has built a relationship between us and and the bureaucrats Ian, you've Depends made you a, lot of, to. a lot of friends in the uh, the K Keene Police Department. I, I would say I have some friendly officers that uh, I don't know. You know, if I would count them as friends, uh, in that you know, friends are usually people you can trust to uh, to do things. Uh-huh. But uh, it, you, you can count on them. I think there would have been a, an easier way to make friends with the cops. <laughs> yeah, I I fully support civil disobedience. I will support people who do civil disobedience as long as it's peaceful. And uh, in principle, you know, liberty oriented. But I don't know, unless you can get enough people together for it, I don't know how sustainable it is. And Dave, thanks for uh, for your call tonight. 
Appreciate hearing from you. Hour three's next. You take control at 855-450-FREE. More from archaeological finds and prison in moments. Hi, this is Mark Edge, host of Free Talk Live. We've been witnessing a meltdown of the very economic engine that powers this country. With a printing press tethered to Washington politicians, bureaucrats, and central bankers, how can we put our trust in paper money? For years, I've been buying gold and silver from Midas Resources, and you should too. Come see gold.freetalklive.com or call 877-357-9938 for a free book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold. With Washington, D.C. delivering more debt and printed promises, common sense tells us the future of the trend is obvious. Everyone listening should visit gold.freetalklive.com or call 877-357-9938. I trust Midas Resources for my gold, silver, platinum, and you can too. Again, I want you to have this book and it's free. It's gold.freetalklive.com or 877-357-9938. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want here at 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. As we launch here into the third hour of this live Christmas Day edition of the show with you tonight, it's Ian. And Johnny Ray. Johnny Ray, you've been sharing with us throughout the program tonight the 10 archaeological finds, top 10 archaeological finds of 2012. I don't know if we finished number seven. Uh, I feel like, or number eight, I think it was. Yeah, we were on number eight. Uh, Aztec ritual burial. Did we finish that? They were talking about uh, this woman who was buried with all manner of skulls and bones uh, surrounding her. There was a little bit more, and it gets poetic, the last last sentence in the piece. Let's keep that going. Raul Barrera of Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History says the larger cache, this is a cache of bones that were very compacted, was probably a closure deposit buried as a kind of consecration after an important building phase around 1479. Because the bones are so crowded together, he says, they must have been buried elsewhere, exhumed, and reburied here. Hmm. But not all of them. Barrera's team excavated a volcanic slab used for human sacrifices, beneath which they found five more skulls with gaping perforations. The victims may have died on the sacrifice stone, but the holes were probably for mounting their skulls on a stake known as a zompantli. It may all seem macabre to us, but to the Aztecs, this charnel house was, according to Barrera, where the earthly and heavenly realms communicated with each other. Hmm. What did they know that we didn't? we don't know? So let's go to another one because uh, we've got a bunch of these. I don't know if we're going to get through all 10 here tonight. Caesar's Gallic Outpost, Hermeskal, Germany. The discovery of a collection of 75 sandal nails has led German archaeologists to the rare identification of a temporary Roman military camp near the town of Hermeskal near Trier in southwestern Germany. Directed by Sabina Hornung, an archaeologist at the Johannes Gutenberg University Mainz, the team uncovered the camp's main gate, the flat stones that once paved its entrance, and grindstones used by the Romans to mill grain. Scattered among the paving stones were bits of metal that the team quickly identified as sandal nails. Some of the nails were quite large, as much as an inch across. Is it the kind that you wear? Sandals. Exactly. Like the kinds them Romans used to wear. Huh. You know, those, those legionaries. Yeah. 
had distinct workshop marks of a type used by the army, a sort of cross with little dots or studs, says Hornung. That told us it was definitely a military camp, she adds. Ground-penetrating radar surveys showed that the camp built to house soldiers on the move sprawls over nearly 65 acres. Damn. So, yeah, so this is from a time when a legion or two or more with Julius Caesar were in France and Belgium fighting the Celts and the Gauls. Maybe that's the same thing. I don't think so. But the Gaul, Gaul was was France, northern France. And Caesar was up there for about eight years building his reputation. Mm-hmm. So they found this site, and because of these sandal nails and a few other clues, they've determined that it was, that it was a Roman camp. And from, they think he was actually there? From that time. No, not necessarily. No. Okay. It doesn't say that in this piece. And but, this is this is newsworthy because because it's Caesar, it's Julius Caesar. He was like a big deal. Yes. Okay. Yes, he was. Good to know. What's what's coming up next? What do we have to uh, to look forward to? Europe's oldest list? engraving. All right, we'll get to that here in a moment. 855-450-FREE. Uh, we are also talking about prison in a uh, very disjointed episode where we're jumping from topic to topic all over the place here tonight. Uh, the Northwest anarchists are still in prison for refusing to speak to the grand jury. The story is over at thestranger.com where supposedly their federal prosecutor is interested in the smash-up in Seattle on May Day and finding the demonstrators who broke the windows of a federal courthouse. But Ms. Olejnik, who's one of the two that's currently being held, says the prosecutor only asked her four questions about May Day, which she answered truthfully. Was she in Seattle on May Day? She said no. Where was she? Working at her waitress bartending job in Olympia. Had she been in Seattle a week before or a week after May Day? No. Had anybody talked to her about May Day? No. In fact, she says she learned most of what she knows about the smash-up while she was in court. And that was all he asked about the May Day vandalism. Then, she says, the prosecutor began rattling off names and showing photographs of people asking about their social contacts and political opinions. Olgenet guesses that he asked at least 50 questions in that vein compared to the four about May Day. And that's when she shut down, refused to answer, and was found in contempt of court and sent to SeaTac FDC. She doesn't regret it. She says, I truly believe that the people have the right to believe whatever they want politically. Uh, she's, uh, she also says, and it's none of the government's business. So people were arrested uh, related to May Day because some, some, some property destruction happened at May Day? Thus far, no one has been arrested for that property destruction. They've just been inviting these people to court, which, of course, you can't turn down this invitation. Uh-huh. And if you don't answer their questions, you're held in contempt. So you'll be held until the grand jury is no longer impaneled, which could be 18 months. And they had their four questions for this woman about May Day when she wasn't at May Day. She was working on right. that day. Then they started asking her questions about, about activists and people she might know and what their political beliefs are. So they're just trying to gather information about folks. And you shouldn't be under any obligation to talk to the police. You shouldn't be under any obligation to talk to any government officials. But this shows the reality of the situation, and that is that you are considered obligated to give them information. If you don't, here, enjoy a prison cell in SeaTac Maximum Security Federal Penitentiary until further notice. Because... I don't know what's going to happen at 18 months. If these people are held for the full 18 months of the grand jury being impaneled, can they somehow continue to hold them in contempt after that? Can they say, all right, well, we've got a new grand jury in here. Do you want to come talk to them? No. 
well, you can stay in there in that cell. I don't know. It's not real. It's never been made clear to me what will happen after the 18 months. But either way, no one should be held for 18 hours for refusing to talk to the police or prosecutors. It all seems to depend on the strength of the people fighting against them. Because if nobody is caring about these people being stuck in jail, then they're going to stay or in prison. Then they're right. going to stay in prison. And they did let go one of the three. There were three that have been put into prison thus far for this uh, investigation. One of them, who was arguably the most attractive of the three, physically attractive, was released after a couple of days. And that may be because she managed to get more attention due to her attractiveness. And people are bemoaning that. And I, I know, I get it, you know. It's true. People who are attractive should not be given necessarily more attention than people who aren't as attractive. But reality is they are and uh i'm glad to see that these other folks are getting an interview here that's how you get all your lucky breaks right just because i'm so handsome right uh SeaTac ftc she doesn't regret making the decision she says it's none of the government's business and as far as she can tell she's not in prison because she couldn't help with the vandalism investigation she's there because she refused on principle to help the federal government draw a social map of radicals and leftists in the northwest Grand juries are secret. Prosecutors are the only attorneys allowed in the room, but people who've been subpoenaed to appear before them are allowed to talk afterward about what happened. The two attorneys for Olgenik and Duran, who sit with us during the interviews at SeaTac, vaguely say the versions of events described to their clients are consistent with what they read in the transcripts. The U.S. Attorney's Office has repeatedly said it cannot comment on anything directly related to a grand jury because grand juries are secret. So we have to rely on Duran and Olgenik and their attorney's vague corroboration. I have to interview Duran, who's the, the male, separately because the guards don't want him and, and Olgenik, close friends and roommates at the time they received their subpoenas, to be able to see each other. They say they passed each other once in the visiting area and waved, and the guards grumbled about that. How, I asked Duran, would you explain why you're here to people on the outside? He says, not everyone will understand, in a soft voice. He continued, you have to be in a different state of mind to be willing to go to jail to protect someone you basically have no knowledge of. He talks about his years as a young student in the Army ROTC when veterans would come and talk about serving their country because they felt a sense of duty. Not answering questions about other people, he says, is the duty I can perform. Duran, like Olgenik, believes that when the FBI comes knocking, handing out subpoenas, legally compelling them to tell a federal prosecutor about their fellow citizens' private lives and political beliefs, that they have a duty to object. And like Bartleby the Scrivener, their most powerful tool of protest against a force like the federal government is to simply and politely say, I would prefer not to. And when people don't cooperate with the government, that is one of the biggest crimes you can commit. And they're they're being punished for it. Your thoughts are welcome at 855-450-FREE, 1-855-450-3733. It's Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. Free 
Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-453. It is the live Christmas Day edition of the program. We will continue to be live throughout the holidays, New Year's Eve. Uh, You can count on Free Talk Live to be here with you, taking your calls about anything that you would like. The Free State Project, your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. you got to get together with other people who think like you do, people that understand what freedom's all about, that in order to be free, you have to allow others to be free. And that freedom is your ability to live your life how you want, as long as you don't harm anyone else. If you're willing to actually do something to actually achieve freedom in your lifetime, go to freestateproject.org. Join together with over 13,000 other people who have currently signed up. We want to reach 20,000. So we've got a little bit of more uh, ways to grow. We're over two-thirds of the way there, though. Uh, join up over at freestateproject.org. Get signed up. And also, don't forget to join us at the upcoming Liberty Forum. It's a great excuse to come up to New Hampshire and uh, meet folks who are feeling like you do and who want to get active, or maybe they already are, but but want to be more effective with their activism. Like, I was active when I was living down in Florida. I don't know about you, Johnny Ray. Were you an activist prior to coming to New Hampshire? No. See, a lot of people that have uh, moved here for the Free State Project, they've never done activism before. And that could be a good thing, and it could be a bad thing, depending on how you look at it, in that you know, you're, you're a noob, you, know, you don't have any activist chops necessarily when you get here, but on the other hand, you haven't had all the negative activism experiences that uh, one might have in another place, where it feels like you're just spinning your wheels, that you're not getting anywhere, that no one, you know, freedom isn't advancing despite all the work that you put into it. Because I put a lot of time and money into activism down in Florida, and, you know, Nothing really happened as a result of it. I had personal growth in that you know I became more outgoing, more extroverted as a result of, of you know running outreach booths and things like that. So for me, it was I think a, a good experience. But I'd be lying to myself if I said something like, "Oh yeah, we were having an impact down there in Florida," because we weren't. There was no measurable impact being had. You know, the Libertarian Party candidates were getting two to three percent of the vote, one percent. 4% maximum, uh, and no one really cared that they were even there. But up here in New Hampshire, in just a matter of uh, half of a decade or so, we've had dozens of Free State Project participants actually elected. I mean, just from a political standpoint, the Free State Project is more successful in less than a decade than has the liber- than have been the Libertarian Party in four decades. Uh, so there's of course, as we talked about earlier, civil disobedience, there's media being created here. There's so much going on. It's impossible to even get your, you know, your fingers on the pulse of this movement. There's just so much happening. I have gotten a little bit active since I moved up here. What I have enjoyed most about it is the other participants and living up here with the other the participants community. near them and hanging out with them because they're not because they can they've got eyes and they're willing to see and they're willing to examine their own ideas and 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 be critical of themselves and they can see the they can see what's happening in the world they've got brains they're not idiots so they're a lot more fun and interesting to hang out with yeah i have more uh, a larger social circle here than i did down in florida i mostly stayed in my house in florida didn't do that much uh but here i get out a lot more and do more so there's that bonus as well. So I agree with you. Being with a liberty-oriented community is really critical. And then you've also got the New Hampshire natives who are already on board with the ideas of freedom, and they've been here for their whole lives. So it's not just the Free State Project participants that are having an impact. We're coming here 
to allow the New Hampshire natives who love liberty to actually have an impact as well, to have a greater impact. So the movement's incredible. It continues to get better as more people make the move here. And if you're sick and tired of spinning your wheels where you live and you've come to the conclusion that whatever it is you're doing down there isn't having much of an impact wherever it is you are, if you're not in New Hampshire, you've got to get here. And go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to learn about the Liberty Forum coming up in late February. It's February 21st through the 24th. Did you tell me you've never been to a Liberty Forum, Johnny Ray? I did tell you that. Uh, it's definitely worth it. If you can, if you can scrounge the, uh, the hundred bucks together to attend the Liberty Forum, that's, that's the cheapy ticket. There's the ticket that has no meals included, and then there's the one that has meals included. So there's a $100 ticket for no meals and then a $199 ticket for the one that includes the meals. If you can scrounge that money together and scrounge up the cash to share a hotel room with a few folks, you can probably attend this thing for, you know, no more than a few hundred dollars and that, you know, for folks that have to travel, obviously there's travel expenses involved too. Tom Woods is going to be at the Liberty Forum. That's right. A number of speakers, Declan McCullough from CNET, uh Cory Doctorow as well, and there's still some that have yet to be announced. When those other speakers are announced, the price of the Liberty Forum is going to go up. So make sure you lock in your tickets now. Go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum as we go to the phones and talk to Walt listening in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Walt. Good evening, gentlemen. I just happen to get you on the phone. Uh, that's how I'm listening to you right now. I Welcome. It's out of Texas, I think. Okay. But anyway, uh, I want to ahead. ask you, I heard, I heard you speaking about the marijuana issue before, and you're up in New Hampshire, right? Yes, sir. Right. Okay, let me tell you what you can do. If I had time, I would do it here in New York, because in New York in 1977, they passed the Marijuana Reform Act, but the governor's never signed it into law. So they're just uh, kicking the can down the road. But here's what you can do. You look up in the U.S. Constitution, Article 4, Section 2. I'll read it to you. It's just one sentence. It says, The citizens of each state shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of citizens of the several states. So we got the two states out west, was it Colorado and Washington State, that passed the laws for the purpose of using marijuana now, right? So it's basically decriminalized or legal, correct? That's correct. You can file suit. You know how to do it. You could figure out how to do it. You got people up there. You could file suit against New Hampshire and use that to proceed as plaintiffs. And the, and the, those and the, if they try to prevent you from using marijuana, they're violating the Constitution. Now, in regards to that... Um, those two people supposedly that are in jail now because they wouldn't answer questions. They had nothing to do with why they were brought into court in the right. first place. Okay, that's also now we got another constitutional issue here. That's Amendment 5. Okay? And it says, uh, nor shall be, uh, anybody be compelled in any criminal case to be witnesses against themselves nor be deprived. Sure, of sure. Hey, I'm with you, man. Like, there's all kinds of great stuff in the constitutions. But the problem is the judges just don't care. The Constitution well, is that thing that they're, they're then they're with the arrows. Then you go. Uh, then you go as a bounty hunter. Okay, I know a guy named Ronnie Class in North Carolina is going after criminal uh, acts with the government's doing down bounty there. Bounty hunter. What would the bounty hunter do exactly? Yeah, okay, so Amendment fourteen. If you got if you got judges that are violating the Constitution of the United States, they're criminals. And you go look at article. Look at the amendment fourteen. What are you suggesting? Are you suggesting someone arrest a judge, kick down the judge's office door, and you hold, no, you brandish uh, the the Constitution at him, <laughs> and then let and then have him put you. the handcuffs let, on himself? Let me read you. Uh, let me read you what I'm talking about. Here, okay? uh, you don't need to, man. I I get where you're coming from. It's just that, like you said, you're not willing to do it yourself. So how can you expect someone else to do it? 
The Constitution is uh, that thing that prevents the government from doing all the things that it does. You mentioned that you you said you don't have the time or whatever to do this. I got four other, you know, I got four other cases I'm doing. That's okay. why I can't do this. Oh, good, right good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Well, Let he does. Know. He knows the 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 bounty hunter in North Carolina. Absolutely, his name is Rodney Class. You can look him up on the internet. I don't know what it is you're getting out with the bounty hunter thing. Are you suggesting arresting uh, the government agents? Well, I'm gonna. Just, it's one sentence. Let me read it to you. You can you can go after this judge up there that's illegally holding those people in jail. But here's what it says. The validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debt incurred by payment, pensions, and bounty for services in suppressing insurrection and rebellion. Stand by. We'll bring you back here in a moment. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, toll-free number tonight, live Christmas Day edition of the program is 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Take control of these airwaves. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Johnny Ray. And we're going to continue with your calls here in a moment. also want to remind you that you can drop into our website and grab up as many archives as you would like. Give yourself your own gift for Christmas here. We've got years' worth of Free Talk Live archives available at freetalklive.com. Maybe you just want to listen to last night's show, or maybe you want to go back to 2007. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of archives, and they're all free over at freetalklive.com. So do enjoy those, and of course, we also have them on SoundCloud to make it easy for you to share with anybody that uh, that you that you care about. Uh, share it easily on Facebook, Twitter, or whatever method is your preference. And you can access our SoundCloud page by going to soundcloud.freetalklive.com. That's soundcloud.freetalklive.com, or if you're already on freetalklive.com, you can just look on the left-hand side of the page under Listen and Share for a SoundCloud link. And on SoundCloud, you get more than just the archives of the show and more than just those years' worth. We'll also post uh, the occasional interview. So I mentioned earlier that we were on Kate Delaney's show, America Tonight. I posted that to our SoundCloud last night. Uh, Mark has his Edgington post, which I presume he will resume uh, doing here after he returns from his vacation. Should be He should be back with us tomorrow. So you can get all those things over on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.freetalklive.com. Walt, you were in the middle of uh, sharing with us what you consider to be a strategy for handling these outrageous arrests like the folks that were uh, that are being held currently and have been held for months in SeaTac Federal Detention Center in uh, Washington State. You were reading something about the validity of the, the debt, uh, and we had to interrupt you for the break, so go ahead. Okay, I got another one to a short one after, but I'll finish I don't know if we got time for that, but uh, just get through the first well, one. I got a, this is a, it's, a article, it's Amendment 14, Section 4, but let me tell you this. You can file criminal charges against a judge for committing perjury, for violating his oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States. Just fill out a criminal complaint form. Why is that not happening? I mean, if you make it sound like it's so easy to do, why is some attorney... It. Not doing that. Because the attorneys are bar card holders. Uh, BAR yeah. means British Accredited Registry. I don't know if that's true. The it's the Queen of England's ass, and they don't care about the Constitution. I fellas. don't think that's true. I mean, I've, let's, I've met some attorneys in real life who, who do care about these things. And well, why don't they do it then? That's what I'm asking you. But you said because that anyone can people, do it. Let me tell you. I talk to people in Texas. They do it down there, and they get results. Okay. What did they? What kind of results? Are you talking about judges being kicked off the bench? 
Ep, they get in trouble, absolutely, because then you're kick, you're stirring up the crabs in the bucket, and everybody's after their jobs. That's exact. You got to stir up politics, absolutely. Where is the evidence of this? Because a lot of these people call the show uh, with these theories, these legal uh, legal land theories. It's not a theory. It's that's law. You can file criminal. It doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter what the law says. They can do whatever they want to do. That's been my experience in court. And, you know, maybe you've had more experience in court than I have, but uh, I have never seen the law matter to these people. Okay, well, if the prosecutor throws it in the trash, then you just take it to the the judges over the prosecutor. If he throws it in the trash, then then you send another one back to the grand jury addressed to the prosecutor. And if he doesn't deliver it to the grand jury, then you go to the post office for blocking the mail. The grand jury has to answer your criminal charges. They got to no. do it. No, they don't. Yes, they do. Anytime they're made, they're no. made aware of a criminal complaint, they have to address it. I've never you seen guys, any evidence you guys for that. Don't know what you're talking about. Never. I've never seen any evidence for that. Well, you better look into it. Start looking into the evidence. Nah, that's all right. Thanks for the call tonight, Walt. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know what? If you want to prove some sort of legal theory to me, then put all the evidence out on the table. Don't tell me to go and do the research for you. Act like you've done all the research and you know everything about everything. And, you know, this little, you know, you know what all the laws are. and You know how to sue somebody and go after a judge. You prove to me that you've got a judge taken down for uh, for putting somebody in a prison cell. Some names and dates of what happened in Texas would have been helpful for for his case and his credibility. But names and dates would be fine. He upset you. Did he? He upset you when he told you you didn't know what you were talking about, didn't he? Because that's I don't when claim you... to know everything about the legal land system. I'm certainly no expert, but I spent he enough, ruffled your feathers. I've spent enough time in that you know in that system observing various different uh, approaches to know that none of it is consistent. You know, there's no one approach that is a consistently working approach. Maybe at one time somebody filed some kind of charge and managed to get it to stick somehow, but. Unless Maybe got- if you know the personal interplay uh, between all the political figures in your county or your state, then you can start using these laws selectively and pulling the right levers with the right people. But you've got to be a player. You've got to be a political player to make the political arena work for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying these things are impossible. I just don't believe it until I can see the evidence. And when you get some know-it-all calling in saying, oh, well, here's how you should do this. You should try this because these other people have done it. I tell you that they have done it. Take my word for it. I'm a caller on your radio show. I'm sorry. That's not good enough for me. I want to see video. I want to see the court records. I don't want to have to go and try to dig for those court records. I don't, I'm sorry. I, I run a business. You know, I've got things to do during the daytime. I don't have the 50 hours a week or whatever it would take to put into doing the research to try to prove this guy's call correct. Uh If you've got something, you're the one making the allegation that you know the solution to judicial governmental tyranny, that you know whatever the legal land solution is, prove it. I mean, if it's so easy and so obvious, then show people how it's done. Show them how it's done and make it duplicatable. Make it so people can duplicate it without having to do 500 hours of research first. I don't think that's unreasonable to ask for. Toll-free number tonight, 855-450-FREE. There have been these guru types that have called the show or people that you know have a guru, some sort of legal land guide who they are either paying or they've just glommed onto and they believe every word that comes out of their mouth. 
And many of these people, one, actually have no real court experience. He claims he's got some open cases. That's cool. Uh, But most of them have no real court experience. They've just read a lot about it. And that's not the same. I'm sorry. You know, reading a bunch about court is not anywhere equivalent to actually being in court and observing real cases and watching people attempt various different things and watching them all fail for the most part. Every now and then there's, you know, some charge that gets thrown out and it's hard to really determine why those things happen. Maybe the prosecutor just didn't want to deal with it. Maybe they just didn't want to deal with the hassles of the paperwork you were filing. Maybe it wasn't that the paperwork was some sort of magic words that guarantees that you're going to be free. Maybe they just decided, wow, we're just going to dismiss this charge. But for every one of those gurus who calls the show, uh, about 0% of them have any real tangible proof of their claims. And of the ones who claim to have proof, sometimes they'll say things like, well, I don't actually have the court record because I agreed to not share that as part of the terms of the uh, dismissal. I mean, That's I've actually heard, actually heard that, that claim before. And I, you know, I almost feel like that uh, these people either know that they're wrong and they're just providing people misinformation in order to screw with people, or they really truly believe this information, but they've never actually had the experience to attempt to implement it themselves. And please, prove me wrong. Come up to New Hampshire. We can get cameras into court here. Most places you can't do that. It's very difficult or impossible to get a camera, a video camera, into a courtroom. Here, no problem. You come up with your legal theory, I'll come and film it, and we'll see how it goes. And then if you can actually prove on more than one occasion that this method, whatever method it is you're, you're proffering, is actually successful at helping free people, at helping get justice, at helping go after these judges, corrupt prosecutors and folks like that. If you can prove it more than once, then you've got a real case. And I will shout that from the rooftops. I recommend people going to trial and and trying 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 to fight the state through the laws only for your own edification and it's it's personally satisfying it can be very fun but you're not sure. going to win almost never are you going to win every now and then a case will get kicked out and get dismissed you'll not have to go to trial cuz they'll dismiss it before trial and every now and then you'll get a not guilty but most of the time probably 90% of the time you're going to lose 855-450-FREE. But please, prove me wrong. And when I say prove it, I mean come here to New Hampshire and let us get it on video proving us wrong that this, you know, these theories don't work. I would love to see one of them work. Really, I want to see that happen. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio, podcast, satellite, webcam, and our live streams. But did you know you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere? Add this number to your phone. 213-493-0308. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Listen Lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 213-493-0308. That's 213-493-0308. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain in this live 
Christmas, Christmas Day edition of the program. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Johnny Ray. Merry Christmas, everyone. And a Merry Christmas to you, Johnny Ray. Glad you came in tonight. I've, uh, we've been talking about archaeology and prison. Uh, that's been the uh, Those have been the overarching topics throughout the evening tonight. And certainly you're welcome to comment on those things or whatever's on your mind here. But we've got more uh, of the archaeology to cover here. And I think we've, uh, what, what, five more? Six more? How many do we have here? Johnny Ray, five more? Six, I think. Six? Jeez, we've been moving slow. Uh, so let's continue through... No, no, you're right. Five, five more. Five. Let's continue through the remaining five uh, top ten archaeological discoveries, or at least as many as we can uh, we can get through the top archaeological discoveries of 2012. And by the way, I'd just like to let folks know that Christmas in prison story that I was sharing about the Northwest activists, there's much more to that story. There's uh, We got through maybe a third of it. So I posted the link to Twitter and Facebook, to Free Talk Live's Twitter and Facebook. You can link to either one of those over at news.freetalklive.com and that'll allow you to dig further into those stories about those folks experience in prison europe's oldest engraving sir jacques france that's uh, at best an approximation of the proper pronunciation archaeologists have dated an engraving of a vulva found oh on my. a one and a half ton limestone block at abri castanet a collapsed rock shelter in france to about 37,000 years ago. That figure, however, is only a minimum age for the rock carving. The date mm. announced in May actually corresponds to the approximate time when the rock shelter's roof, of which the engraved block was once a part, collapsed. The engraving is thus one of the earliest examples of European wall art, likely older than the elaborate paintings 200 miles east in <laughs> Chauvet Cave. The block was found directly above a surface containing hundreds of artifacts from the early Aurignacian culture, the earliest modern humans in Europe. An imprint of the vulva on the shelter floor, along with a lack of sediment buildup between the block and the surface, suggested that radiocarbon dating as several pieces of bone smashed by the fallen block would give an accurate age of the roof collapse and an approximate age of the engraving. We see vulva again and again and again, <laughs> says New York University archaeologist Randall White about Aurignacian sites in the region near Abricastanet. The fact that they're repeating the same forms suggests that it is conventionalized in a way that allowed these people to relate to the meaning. End of story. Wow. So maybe the oldest porn known to man. Maybe. It was in the roof. Yeah. I'm not going to comment further on Fair the enough. implications of that. <laughs> Ian, what would you like to hear about next? The first pots from Zhuangxi, China. All right. Or? Yeah, you've got options. Okay. You've got options. Scottish Frankenstein mummies. That one. Let's go with that. Because Frankenstein, of course, was named after the doctor. and The mummy itself was not named Frankenstein. The doctor was. It was Frankenstein's monster. Right. Yes. The Frankensteins and in, in the, the, the Scottish Frankenstein mummies are unrelated to Mary Shelley's Indeed. Frankenstein. Instances of deliberate mummification in Europe are rare, but while performing excavations in 2001 at Clath Hallen, a Bronze Age settlement on the island of South West in Scotland's outer 
Hebrides, or is that Hebrides? I'm mm. embarrassed now. Archaeologists found a pair of 3,000-year-old skeletons that fit the bill. Bronze Age came before the Iron Age, Ian. Bronze is an alloy of copper and tin. And the British Isles were important during the Bronze Age because it was a source of tin. There were there were ancients in the Middle East who got their tin for their Bronze Age from – they traded with people on the British Isles. I always thought that was interesting. Interesting trivia. I always thought that was interesting because I never thought of there being a lot of interaction between the Phoenicians mm-hmm. of the Mediterranean coast and some savages in the British Isles. Man, I don't know anything about all this. I just have to take your word for it, Johnny Ray. You seem well-informed, though. I'm not. Both skeletons. <laughs> More so than me, I can tell you that. Man, when I was in history class, all that stuff about the Sumerians just put me to sleep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Um, but we'll these guys are about- into it. These archaeologists. Right? Yeah. Yep, they yep. love this stuff. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with the story. Both skeletons, one male and one female, were buried in the fetal position. Tests indicated they had been intentionally preserved for some time in mm. nearby peat bogs, where microbes prevented them from fully decomposing before they were eventually retrieved. Wow. Quote, mummification has been surprisingly widespread throughout world history, but this is the first time we've seen clear evidence. That it was employed during the Bronze Age on the British Isles, hmm. says University College London archaeologist Mike Parker Pearson. Further examination of the remains led to another startling discovery. The male skeleton is actually a composite. Its torso, skull, and neck and lower jaw belong to three separate men. New DNA tests prove that the female skeleton is also a composite formed from a female torso, a male skull, and the arm of a third person whose gender has yet to be determined. Carbon dating indicates that the skull of the female mummy is probably 50 to 200 years older than the torso. Archaeologists have Weird. yet to agree... It, yes, it is weird. I, I I agree. Archaeologists have yet to agree why these remains were mummified and mm-hmm. then combined. The mixing of remains could have been designed to combine different ancestries or families into a single line of descent, Parker Pearson explains. At the time, land rights would have depended on ancestral claims, so perhaps having ancestors around in the flesh was the prehistoric equivalent of a legal document. How about that? I love that 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 ending and that's that that theory. Yeah, it's it's speculation, but uh, nonetheless, very strange. Normally, when you think of mummification, you only think of uh, you know Middle Eastern Egypt, kind of North Africa. Exactly, regions. that's what I think of. Right. Surprise. Moving on. Moving on. These are the top ten, uh, the top ten archaeological discoveries of just the year 2012. So there's always all kinds of interesting things being dug up. It's just that normally you don't hear about them. This is not front page uh, news material, that's for sure. Okay, this one, I like this one. This one is very short. Yeah. 2,000-year-old stash treasure by uh, in Kiryat Gat, Israel by Mati Milstein. Marijuana. <laughs> they found that stuff, though. I mean, like in uh, burial... Uh, pyramids or wherever where they're burying these pharaohs and type those types of folks yes they, they did. found marijuana in a lot of those places yes they I did that is not the treasure described here okay. however 
This past summer, archaeologists discovered a veritable treasure chest of jewelry and coins buried inside a pit in the courtyard of an ancient building in southern Israel's Kiryat Gat region. That's way better than bones, man. At least there you could really kind of cash in. Jewelry and coins? Yeah. Yeah, that's some some Dungeons and Dragons kind of a situation there. The Goonies. According to the Israel Antiquities Authority's Sarganor, the cache likely dates to the time of the Bar Kokhba revolt, which lasted from A.D. 132 to 135, about 100 years after Jesus was killed, and was one of the largest Jewish uprisings against the Romans. Uh, Bar Kokhba was was the next big return of God in the flesh. Okay. I had not heard of that. Uh Uh-huh. This was probably an emergency cache that was concealed at a time of impending danger by a wealthy woman who wrapped her jewelry and money in a cloth Hmm. and hid them deep in the ground, says Ganor. It's now clear that the owner never returned to claim it. While there are other contemporary hordes from Israel... This example is exceptional for the inclusion of several gold coins rare in Israel at this time. Hmm. Neat. I wonder why those coins were rare in Israel at the time. It was it was a Roman. It was, you know, the Romans were were in control of the place. So what were they using to store their wealth instead of gold coins? Man, livestock Good question. Commodities. Anything I say would be purely uninformed speculation. I'm just interested in hearing what you have to say, Johnny Ray. That's uh, that's a that's a, a poor choice, Ian. You have chosen poorly. poorly. <laughs> what to be interested in what you have to say? Just to put any stock in the 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 things that I say to you. Say it with authority. You say it as though you've done a research that uh, you know what you're talking about. And unlike the court theories, this is just fun. You know, it's just interesting. Yep. It won't have any bearing on uh, what we do tomorrow. It won't have any bearing on, you know, anything else. But it's neat to find out what, you know, people did back in the day. Thanks for sharing those, man. Absolutely. And we'll be back tomorrow for the post-Christmas edition of Free Talk Live. We're live every single night. New Year's Eve will be here for you all week long, taking your calls and expecting to have Mark back tomorrow night as well. So for those of you who've been missing Mark, he'll be here. We'll see you then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, etc. Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree, available now free in HD. See it now at victimlesscrimespree.com.